my notes say JT in cage, which makes me think of um, Justin Timberlake trapped in a tiny little cage. Tiny cage. Let me out. He tried to bring sexy back, so we imprisoned him. him. (laughs) Uh, Some other just cry me a river. Yeah. That other one. Don't know what happened. That went very toast of London. It did also, just before we get into it. Um, the video for Crimea River, yes. right, is the whole, uh, everyone remembers it because it was like... Oh, you don't have to say what you did. <laughs> I already know it. Nice. Everyone remembers it because it's like, that's, it was meant to be Britney Spears, right? Yeah. That was the thing that people remember. The thing that people should remember, and I don't understand why no one's questioned this, is why is Timberland sat in the driveway singing along? He sat outside in the driveway in his car. <laughs> what is up there with uh, what music video is it where someone Kelly Rowland? Yes. Kelly Rowland texting on XL. <laughs> Damn it, Kelly, we deserve that. <laughs> no wonder Beyonce is the one people remember. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. for this welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harry's and me kelly Rowland, nick graham james <laughs> this week i like if we don't have the cold <laughs> open as that bit that's gonna make no sense at all i kind of i kind of want that now maybe that's how we just do the podcast now we just refer to <laughs> private in jokes nobody's listened to just like that uh that orangutan the orangutan right? and the willy hey oh, what, what a gas was he it turns out he did need three well, God. at least three. <laughs> at least three. At least three and um, a, a speeding ticket, apparently. Yeah, the speeding ticket for me, to be honest, was a step too far. Yeah. I, um, I don't think that was needed from anybody involved. And to be honest, I just hope they learn. Well, you know, he has got to go on the orangutan speed awareness course. Yeah, and that's never fun, especially if you're not an orangutan. Well, yeah. And we've all been there. Oh, God. So, uh... <laughs> I'm not sure where to follow that. Uh, how about what this week's episode is? That sounds like an excellent idea, Ian. So this week, in the inevitable follow-up to last week's, we are covering Nicolas Cage films that would be better with John Travolta. I think everybody saw this coming. You'd like to think so. If anyone's paid any attention to anything we've done over the last 18 months or so. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> First off, thank you. Second of off, are you okay? And third of all... They probably saw it coming. Yeah. So last week was the the, the birthday of the the great yep. man, the 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 thespian Nicholas Cage. Uh, and this week we thought we'd keep the the Cage celebration going, but this yep. time via John Travolta. Kind of like when you know how uh, sometimes uh, in like dialysis stuff, they will connect someone to a pig, <laughs> and and the pig's body does all the stuff the kidney should be doing yeah. while your kid... So basically, we're, we're pumping the Nicolas Cage celebration through John Travolta because our kidneys can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Right? That works. That I mean, makes it, sense. To be fair, this is what I thought the plot of Pig was going to be. Yeah, I was very <laughs> uh, disappointed when Travolta wasn't in it. John Travolta um, uh, flew... Uh, not uh, flu. George Clooney's pet pig. 
pig, pig, I'll believe that when pigs fly here. Hey. So, so <laughs> I made a couple of notes on John Travolta just to get the ball rolling. Okay. And those notes in their entirety, John Travolta is a pilot and a Scientologist. <laughs> That's really the key takeaway, I think, from John Travolta. But he took, a, so on his plane, yeah. he took Max... George Clooney's longest ever relationship <laughs> on on a nice flight. Um, many questions, but also, isn't it weird that there's there's a certain breed of celebrity that decides they need to become a pilot, like um, Bruce from um, Dick- Iron Maiden, Dickinson? Is it Dickinson? I see. I always think like, is it Dickinson? But I think it is Dickinson because I always get it mixed up with the uh, Bargain Hunt Geezer. What's the Bargain Hunt Geezer's name? I don't know, but I have a feeling it could be Bruce Dickinson. It's not Bruce, though, is it? I don't think it's Bruce. I thought it was Bruce. Let's have a... Let's have a... You're thinking of Forsyth, Ian. Forsyth. Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. David Dickinson. Mm. David Dickinson was double, Bargain Hunt. Double Ds. Though when I searched Bargain Hunt Bruce, it came up with Bargain Hunt Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> is that, I... Was that like a special episode that they did in New Jersey? I like to think so. Springsteen loves himself a bargain. Um, That's why so, he's got that massive bag. Yeah. So we would have. I, th- I. I think we. Even if we hadn't set ourselves up for this double header, I think we would have done another Nicolas Cage themed episode this week anyway. Because a lot of Nicolas Cage news has come out, or stories have come out in the last week. Yeah. That I feel like any any podcast like ours really needs to talk about yeah it's been it's been a big week for the uh for the golden hog um i appreciate i keep using the term daryl from uh cage raid cage raid podcast insert um podcast jingle, insert jingle hit cage podcast what, what is that what is that what is it podcast. Oh, no not the beat not the beat ah! oh, no, my eyes Podcast. Coined, the, I believe he coined the term, I believe um, so. and I just feel like it's it, it. It just seems to fit. So um, I believe he talks about coining the phrase and why he says "golden hog" when he was on our films films that would be better with added cage. Yes, he did. Ter- for the life of me, I can't remember exactly why. So, like you guys, I'm going to go back and listen to that episode, and you should do that as well. Those sweet, sweet downloads. Those sweet downloads. So we'll start off with what I have referred to as Thespian Gate. Yep. So I have the direct quote here. So this <laughs> basically he, the, he is over COVID, by the way. <laughs> basically, yeah. I just don't think my lungs are. <laughs> uh, so basically, the day we recorded, mm. uh, once we'd finished, this news story came out. Yeah. The direct quote. I really don't like the word actor. Because for me, it always implies, oh, he's a great actor, therefore he's a great liar and great at lying. So with the risk of sounding like a pretentious asshole, I like the word thespian. Because thespian means you're going into your heart, or you're going into your imagination, or your memories, or your dreams, and you're bringing something back to communicate with the audience. I think it's more like recruiting imagination. Dare I say it, it's more like... Do you remember the phrase he used? No. Shamanism. Oh, yes. <laughs> what early shamans would do is go into flights of imagination to find answers to help their village. I like looking at it like that. With the risk of sounding completely absurd and ridiculous, I like the idea of it being something a little bit more organic and less artificial. Nicolas Cage is amazing. 
He is truly the gift that keeps on giving. The thespian that keeps on giving. The thespian and, that keeps on giving. I mean, to be fair, he... Just because you highlight that there is a risk of sounding pretentious doesn't mean what you've said <laughs> is immediately not pretentious. It's like us and the phrase uh, not to sound wanky. Yeah. It's, nothing guarantees mm. what you're about to say is going to sound wanky. Oh, it's... Like saying... It's the um, excusing yourself of sounding wanky. It's exactly the same as like, no offence, but yeah. the thing I'm about to say is really offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that came out. Obviously... Thing, there were things to I think if any other actor had said this, it would have broken the internet. Yeah. But everyone else, the response was just, of course he said that. <laughs> of course Nicolas Cage thinks <laughs> thinks he is a thespian shaman. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people probably thought he thought he'd said something or thought that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's, he's obviously referred to his acting, uh, acting style as nouveau shamanic. Nouveau shamanic, yeah. So... Nicolas Cage and the World of Shamans is not an entirely new concept. No, I, Nicolas Cage and the World of Shamans is, uh, again, uh, like a Dark Tourist-style reality TV show that I'd love to watch. Nicolas Cage on Shamans yeah. is a proper, what can only be described as an Alan Partridge dictaphone TV show. <laughs> yeah, Alan's dictaphone, which is a great Twitter account. Uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of that. I also can imagine if he did make that show we'd get a scene of Nicolas Cage doing ayahuasca in the jungles of, like, wherever with a shaman, and I cannot imagine what he would conjure up in his ayahuasca trip. I think Chelsea Handler did it on her Netflix show. She, yes, I think she did, she, yeah. Like, and they filmed her doing it, and it's kind of, I mean, it seems pretty intense. Uh, well, actually, they weren't intense. They were in the jungle. Um, but, yeah, it seems like, it seems like a lot. Um, so I I just and obviously it's very dependent on person to person as to Sorry, what. Sorry, I, I they just experience. keep getting very aware that there is a candle between us. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most romantic. This is lasagna love story. This is lasagna love stories. I actually made lasagna the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously very dependent on the person as to the experience. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can only imagine what he would um conjure up. It's really interesting. I I'd never really heard of it before seeing the episode of the. Chelsea yeah. on a talk show and um it's kind of like you read up people's experiences on it and it's like there are people who's I think there's a fairly high percentage of people who have gone and done this thing in the jungle with the ayahuasca and it has completely changed the direction. Like some people have gone from like being like investment bankers and like gone into the arts and so stuff. It's and... what Simon Amstel did, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a big advocate of it. I would it's the kind of, a, a lot of psychedelics, so I, I, I have never done psychedelics. Uh, the most I've done is accidentally drink too much cough syrup. Um, <laughs> I would happily do it if I could be guaranteed a good trip. And that's obviously not how they work. But, yeah. Like, I don't, the idea of a bad trip with the general negativity and imagination I have sounds like it would be fucking horrific. Uh, yeah. And also a lot of what, you did see in this thing it was just like people being violently sick and shitting everywhere as well, yeah. which doesn't sound that pleasant. Oh, well, I'm in. <laughs> um, so I can't think of a good uh, tangent from that to uh, the other piece of... Uh, uh, we'll put in like a, a news bulletin noise. Yeah. We, we, go, we have to leave the best till last, so I hope this is the... Oh, this. so there's just the two. The, oh, you're not... Which makes me think there was three. There was three. And I know the one that you're going to remember is the excellent story about yeah. a horse. 
to the one we should mention, which is really nice and quite life-affirming oh. for Nicolas Cage. He's, a- he's a- <laughs> going to be a dad again. Big Daddy Cage. Big Daddy Cage. The Big third... Hog Daddy. So th- third child. Yes. Because there is Weston Cage, yep. who was in a number of his films, including, I believe, Tokarev. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he played the young... Yeah, and I think Kal-El Cage, because of course. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know a lot about good old Cal, but of course, of course. Nicholas Cage has a son called Kal-El. He, he did actually find them at the, the bottom of Monkey Skull oh, Lake. I'm actually going back on to Cage Rage <laughs> to talk about the one time Nicholas Cage successfully played Superman. Nice. Which I am <laughs> so happy about. Yeah. So that's that is uh, not the best piece of news, and probably no. the best piece of news for Nicolas Cage this this week. But um, the best piece of news came in the form of a roundtable with the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, so it was a roundtable with Nicolas Cage, Andrew Garfield, Simon Rex, Jonathan Majors, and Peter Dinklage. In just a quick like margin notes on that, I think Jonathan Majors and Andrew Garfield are going to have an insane couple of years now. Mm. Because I think they're... Jonathan Majors, I think, is just about to become a massive part of the MCU. And Andrew Garfield, I think people... You know, sometimes an actor has a role and then it makes you relook at everything they've done. It's like, oh, this isn't new. You're actually just always been very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Andrew Garfield seems to be having that now. They had their uh, actors' roundtable. And in this actors' roundtable, Nicolas Cage came out with a story about how while filming the film Butcher's Crossing... Uh, he had to ride this horse called Rain Man, and Rain Man tried to repeatedly kill him. <laughs> and it is one of... So, I, I don't know if this was how it was released, but the order that it went viral was the written interview came out. Yeah. And I sent screenshots of it to you. You sent me all of the screenshots. I missed them initially. I can't remember. I was out somewhere. I think I was driving. So I was like, I'll yeah. get to these. And then I came back a little bit later in the day and read through them. And they were, I mean, it was It's it by was far, wild. it's one of the best interviews I've ever read. Yeah. And then the video came out. Yeah. And the video is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Because there's so many different parts to it. There's Nicolas Cage talking about how this horse hated him. Mm-hmm. There is Andrew Garfield just soaking up the fact he's sitting next to Nicolas Cage talking about how a horse wanted to kill him. And then there's Jonathan Majors, who halfway through the story realizes he's ridden the horse. Yep. <laughs> and tries to give Nicolas Cage an out. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, it was like, oh, well, you know, I, um, he was probably older when I did it. And Nicolas Cage immediately just says, no, this no, was I three rapped, weeks ago. I rapped three weeks ago. <laughs> and then Andrew Garfield loses his shit. Which, I, what I like is, that is exactly how I would have responded to Nicolas Cage talking about Oh, yeah. Well, the best bit about it was when he's like, I'm going to stop talking, and Andrew Garfield's no, like, please keep talking about Rain Man. Please keep talking about Rain Man. Which is a great name for a horse. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you had to name a horse after a Tom Cruise or Dustin Hoffman movie, what would it be? Uh, well, I mean, the, the obvious options. Top, Top Gun. Gun Maverick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah, Top Gun, yeah. Top Gun. Days of Thunder? Or, um, Tootsie. Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> to- Tootsie? That actually sounds like a horse's name. Yeah. There's got to be a horse called Tootsie. Yeah, or Meet the Fockers. Yes. Yeah. That works. I still can't, I, not, not to throw back too much to prove we have to which we've done three or four times this intro already. Still can't get over that Meet the Parents was a remake. No. Yeah. So that is, that is this week. 
In Nicolas Cage news. Nicolas Cage news. Yeah. Uh, and, and that brings us on to, mm. uh, which I, I believe Graham has been trying to figure out while we've been doing this intro. No, no, no. I, I figured it out. I'm interested because I, I think there are two clear choices okay. for this, and I want to know what you went for. Well, so, Graham, what is your movie recommendation? Nobody asked for this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a, um, a movie. Actually, we, we kind of, we didn't talk about the movie. We talked about the one of the leads a lot last week. I'm of course talking about Mighty Joe Young because of the grip. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, this week, given we're talking about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, my recommendation is obviously going to be Face Off. Yes. <laughs> It was either going to be Face Off or Rain Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out which one it was going to be. No, it was, going to be, it was always going to be Face Off. Um, face Off, uh, the Our film... Our first double recommendation. Double recommendation, yeah. Well, we want you to focus on different people each time. Yeah, yeah, you need... That's, that's the new way. It's like the... Um, what's it? The machete cut for um, Star Wars. But it's yeah. not really a sequence of movies, but you can only... You either... So the first time around, you only watch the Nicolas Cage scenes, and then you only watch the... John Travolta scenes, and then the third watch, you have you need two TVs, and one is only playing the Nicolas Cage scenes, and the other one's only playing the John Travolta scenes, and then the fourth watch, you do the same, but you switch the TVs around. Yeah, so it'll, it'll end up being like that Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. Because there was a film that is done as a series of long takes that is done as nine things. Yeah, we spoke about this well, before, I, I, and it for just... For the life of me, I couldn't remember what it was called. It sounded like it was just going to hurt my head if I ever tried to watch it, so... We, we did have... So, uh, our friends over at the Church of Tarantino, a new Quentin Tarantino-based podcast, which soon we will also be appearing on. He mentioned we should make this Cage Birthday Spectacular into a trilogy. Yeah. And the third part would be films we want to... Films we want to be remade, but with the actor having their face put on the other actor. Yeah. So it would be like The Rock starring John Travolta with Nicolas Cage's face. face. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think the only reason I'm not going to say we do that is because I can't think of a snappy title. (laughs) It would be be a paragraph, like paragraphs to explain what was going on. This is what happens. And then, yeah, and... Yes, it, yes, yes, it's Nicolas Cage, but he's got John Travolta's face. You're not understanding it, people. No, yeah. it's it's Nicholas, and yeah, it's Nicholas Travolta and John Cage. Yeah, um, and the obvious answer to that is uh, all of the Scientology collateral. Yeah, just Nic- <laughs> we, we, Nicholas Cage on after to escape Rain Man. It's going to infiltrate Scientology. I mean, he's had. There's worse. There's worse ideas, I suppose. So, um, if if people are now feeling quite comfortable that we've recommended uh, the same film, yeah, two weeks running, are there, are, you know, are there any other films you might recommend them? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, Ian, recommending Face Off two weeks in a row was lazy, and I don't, I don't want to do, don't want to do that again. I don't want to be in the position. I don't want to be the guys that recommend the same shit week after week after week. Unfortunately, even though I don't want to be those guys, I am those guys. I'm one of those guys. You're the other one. And uh, it's Midsummer. <laughs> nice. That's the um, Ari, Aster Ari Aster masterpiece of yeah. horror cinema. It is absolute masterpiece yeah. of horror cinema. And actually, a film that I'm probably coming up to the longest that I've not watched it for in a while. So I probably should set that right soon. Yeah. 
So it, it was birthed to Midsummer coming out. Yeah, and that was the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, no. So I was thinking that the other day, actually. I was also thinking what this year's... Because we can't not have a Midsummer special every year. No, no, no. Uh, so I'm wondering what it will be this year. It's going to be... I guess we'll have to be, I don't know, particularly nuanced with it. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. I've got the guy who played Pella is on uh, Instagram. We'll just drop him a message. Yeah. Hey, guys, you are arguably the least famous of the main characters. <laughs> Would you possibly come on and talk about Midsummer with us? And if if you're thinking about it, don't listen to the episode where we talk about Nicolas Cage and John Travolta films, uh, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage films, um, because we just mentioned how unfamous you are. <laughs> He's a very good actor. Yeah. He wasn't in The Good Place. He wasn't, no. That's a fact. But you're saying he's not gonna, when he dies, he's not going to go to The Good Place. Well, but it depends where we oh. are in the series of The Good Place. Oh. Because it, it, it could be The Bad Place. No, Ooh. we just don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah. Anyway. It also depends if he comes on the podcast or not. Because if you don't come on the podcast, Pella, you're going to The Bad Place. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> speaking of Bad Place, let's talk about John Travolta. <laughs> My first choice then. Mm. is a film that's good and always so, good stuff so i kind of had a look through as you do john travolta's wikipedia page mm. john travolta's wikipedia page is split up into the following sections early career yeah 70s stardom <laughs> 80s downturn <laughs> 90s resurgence 2000 to present <laughs> i would go as far as saying the last like legitimately good film he did was the 2009 remake of The Taking of Pelham 123. Since then, he hasn't done a lot. In fact, his career has kind of done what uh, a fellow Pulp Fiction star has done, in that he's kind of now doing like the, the Bruce Willis. So Bruce Willis is like the... He now seems to have gone into what we can only describe as tax era Nicolas Cage phase. But also being incredibly grumpy about everything. Yeah, but he's also not... He's, he doesn't have the the caginess to make them interesting by himself. So Bruce Willis made seven films last year, and since 2018 has made 19. Jesus Christ. And he's currently got another seven in development, one of which stars John Travolta. So That's nuts. John Travolta, since the taking of Pelham 123, has been in a film written and directed by Fred Durst. Yeah, and he also starred in a film called Gotti, which is one of the few zero percent films on Rotten Tomatoes. Excellent. So it's just like churning out director video bullshit. He also, you know, he did have that <laughs> that big moment at the Academy Awards where he couldn't pronounce Adina Menzel's name. Adele Kazim. Dazim. Dazim. Yeah. yeah. So I have put put together a little bit of a game for you. Okay. This is called Willis or Travolta. So I'm just going to name you. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Ah, yeah, well, that will be our, uh, when we get bored of this format and we just do a actor rewatch. Yeah. That's one of the potential titles. Because <laughs> now to steal a joke off of Three Bean Salad, mm. uh, I was thinking maybe When Life Gives You Plemons. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be uh, not just Jesse Plemons, but it is watching yeah. films of anybody who kind of looks like Matt Damon. Perfect. With, um, with what you're talking about, Willis, would be, I think you start the episode with a quote Bruce Willis saying a quote from any Bruce Willis film, and then I pick the quote, and then throughout a discourse, sort of like 20 questions, you have to try and figure out what the film is. Or we try and piece together the film around the quote, yeah, and then compare it to 
I like it. Yeah. We'll make that after we do lasagna love stories. Okay. Okay, so Willis or Travolta. I'm going to give you film titles. I want you to guess if it's a Bruce Willis film mm. or a John Travolta film. Okay. Number one, and this is all of these, just like, there's no trick questions. Yeah. These are all real. Out of death. Oh, Willis. Willis. Um, no idea what out of death. Like, does that mean you've run out of death? I think so, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm out of death. Oh, shit. Not again. Have you got any change? <laughs> uh, speed kills. Willis. Travolta. Oh. Maybe it's just like a highway code thing. Uh, trading paint. <laughs> Travolta? Travolta. <laughs> uh, survive the night. Willis. Willis. Survive the game. Oh, Willis? Also Willis. <laughs> not a sequel. Not related. So it, I think it was in a two-year span. He made Survive the Night and Survive the Game. Um, Did he? Uh, I don't know. We not must have life. survived the night because he made Survive the Game. Ah, true, but they're unrelated stories. <laughs> <laughs> he could have died in both. He could have survived. And that was The Sixth Sense. Ah, see what he did there. Spoilers. My dad guessed, I've mentioned, definitely mentioned this before, yeah. but I'm going to mention it again. My dad guessed the twist to The Sixth Sense from watching the trailers. Yeah. And for about forever since then, he's now assumed he can guess the twist from anything. <laughs> uh, from Paris with love. Travolta. Travolta. Criminal activities. Willis. Travolta. Ugh. And finally, Paradise City. Axel Rose. Uh, no, not Axel Rose. Travolta. Uh, technically. Because I lied. This was a trick question. That's the film they're doing that both of them are uh. in. Yeah, like, Travolta just hasn't done a lot since he did a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, arguably we kind of missed it, but he was, like, the biggest A-lister celebrity there was. Oh, he was huge. And... I mean, if you can afford to get that high up in Scientology, you've done well for yourself. Yeah, exactly. So he, he hasn't done anything really since then. So what I think would be beneficial for him is having, like, another reinvention. And a renaissance, if yeah. you will. Tarantino's not going to let him do it twice. So no. we're going to have to go somewhere else. So I just thought, like, how about we just get Travolta just going full cage yeah. and just going as weird and over the top as he possibly can. So I want him to appear in the Nicolas Cage film Mom and Dad. Mm. So Mom and Dad is directed by Brian Taylor, who is the guy who did Crank, Crank 2, and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which is the one where Nicolas Cage pisses fire. <laughs> and it stars now John Travolta uh, and Selma Blair. And basically they're uh, parents to two kids static transmits over radio and tvs that basically causes parents to murder their children it's very cagey uh, at one point i think they cut down a door with like an electric saw and it's just insane yeah uh, lance henriksen turns up at one point who is one of the few men to have been killed by an alien a terminator and a predator and uh it's just batshit insanity and i think that's kind of what travolta needs <laughs> but yeah I, I just think like doing a film like this would mean it would set him onto the Cage trajectory instead of the Bruce Willis trajectory. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where he can stop taking himself too seriously and make some money in the progress in the, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, because like a lot of the Nicolas Cage straight to like straight to video stuff. To be fair, a lot of it was crap. Yeah, but there were some like really good films that he did, and you can't necessarily say the same for what John Travolta's done recently. So I think opening him up to this would be interesting. I could see him as 
like this kind of horror comedy. I think he would kind of work it well. Yeah, it's it's kind of putting him in a scenario where at least I haven't really I haven't seen him do anything in that ilk. Nothing nothing springs to mind. No. I can't I also can't really think of any he's done a lot of thrillers. Yeah. But not horror. No. No. Unless you count Battlefield Earth. Unless you count Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Which fun story I very nearly bought you in HMV the other day. <laughs> Because they had it. You and might I'm, have to if we if it wins yeah. the bad movie. Part. And I, I want to know how long it had been on that shelf for. <laughs> oh, do you know what I found the other day and forgot I'd bought? Tiptoes. Yep. <laughs> yep. I did not forget you bought Tiptoes. Uh, I found uh, Tammy and the T-Rex the other day, which Excellent. I bought. Which I don't regret because it has a load of... Uh, load of extras. Yeah. Which we will sit down and watch at some point. Good old Tanny. Classic t- Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. Yeah. So I was... There were a load of different films I could have picked for kind of super cage Travolta. Yeah. And one of them, I, I, so I was very close to doing Willy's Wonderland solely because last episode we stole all of John Travolta's good dancing scenes and gave them to Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So I feel like he he's earned taking one of them back off of Cage. Right. Um, but I think Mum and Dad kind of like, it's a bit of that, bit of that sweet spot where it's not... So Mum and Dad, for a while, it was the film that was billed as, like, the cagiest cage. Yeah. And it's not anymore, because he's made, like, Prisoners of the Ghostland and yeah, yeah. Willy's Wonderland and everything like that. Your Colour Out of Spaces, your Mandy's. Like, he's made a lot cagier stuff since then. So I feel like we could lose this without it. I'm not going to be pissed off that this film doesn't exist in the cage pantheon anymore kind of thing. Which is a good reason to kind of shift it over to Travolta. But yeah, I, I want to see Travolta go just weird. I think it would open him up to some very interesting things. The Mum and Dad wasn't a particularly memorable film. Like I said, like I think, especially the last couple of years, it's not the one you think of when you think of like... It was early days of what you would kind of identify a little bit as the cage like we mentioned before, the early days of Cage not taking himself as seriously anymore. Yeah. And it just work. I just want to see Travolta do weird shit, you know? Yeah. I'm okay with that. My first choice. Now, stop me if you've, if you've heard this before, but I want to pick a film where John Travolta is acting, you know, kind of really out there. and maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not like anything we've seen him before. Perhaps a way for him to have a renaissance to really, you know, do something a bit different and I guess get in with a new crowd, you know, the people that can, haven't can, seen can him. I, can I cut you off immediately? Go for it. What would we call the Travolta renaissance? The Travolta Renaissance would be because um, it doesn't Travolta doesn't quite work as well as like the Reconnaissance. No, but okay, would it be because this would be his third time around? Would it be Travolta? It would be this. Uh, he was famous. It's his, it's his, yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's his second famous, resurgence. Second resurgence, but his it'll be his third time at the top. The the tri- the Travolta Sons. Travolta Sons. The John Travolta. Truven Revolution? That's meant to sound like industrial. Basically, no, I don't know what we'd call it. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, I think, similar to every point you just made, I'd quite like to see John Travolta in Mandy. I'm going to go for the re-Johninescence. Okay, well, I'm okay with that. Because it's re, because that's how Renaissance starts. But also, Mm. it's his second Renaissance. Yes. Um, 
But yes, Mandy. Mandy. Um, also Mandy, the name of a drug. A film that, to be fair, in the state I watched it, which was nothing related to anything mind-bending, well, it was mind-bending, but just because I've been up for so long, um, you probably could tell me that John Travolta was in it, and I'd believe you. <laughs> or he was the guy that we thought was walking up and down the aisles, but turned out just to be a light. So for those unaware, <laughs> elaborate. Uh, so we went to, I think as we mentioned last episode, and obviously on the few others, that we did the Nicolas Cage all-nighter at the Prince Charles Cinema. Mandy was the last film that came on. Came on at 6am, I want to say. We'd been go. I mean... 7. Was it that late? Wow. Yeah, because it finished at 9. Yeah, okay. It came on at 7am. We'd been watching films since 9pm the night before. I had, hadn't slept during the day. So at this point, I'd been up for over 24 hours watching Mandy for the first time. And it was, uh, it was a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, in, in that, obviously, watch the film. Uh, I took most of it in, I think. I've got a fairly good grasp on what happened. And I spent, I spent a lot of time watching you watching the film. Not in a creepy way. But <laughs> watching someone who was on the cusp of complete sleep deprivation watching what is arguably one of the weirdest films I've ever... Not weirdest! Watching a very weird film. Yeah. Psychedelic film, I think would be the fair term for it. I think so, yeah. It's just funny, because I could see you losing your mind. <laughs> I've never seen someone do that before. Yeah, it was wild. Um, and then, yeah, not only was it like contending with the, the film itself, but because of being awake for so long, there were these uh, lights at either end of the aisle. And weirdly, we both kind of had the same visual... I guess hallucination of um, like someone as if they're like walking down the aisle trying to then come into the aisle and it, yeah. actually it was just a trick of the lights that the, the really dim like lights in the cinema anyway um, yeah as I say you could tell me that it was John Travolta that was walking down the aisles and I would probably believe you because it was a it, yeah it was a, it was a trippy morning um, to say the least but uh, but yeah I just think. Um, it, yeah, without kind of parroting back your previous <laughs> choice, it's kind of the same thing. I don't, I haven't really seen, like we we mentioned last week that there were a couple of a couple of reasons for putting Nick Cage into some John Travolta films because of like some good freakouts and stuff. But yeah. like John Travolta in the bathroom scene in Mandy would would be interesting to say. I've never seen John Travolta and his wife runs. <laughs> I'm sure there's a film where he's in his wife runs. That's a weird thing for me to remember. But we, <laughs> what we definitely haven't seen is Travolta do a proper, like, cage recap. No. No, certainly not. So, yeah. And also, obviously, he um, he was in Carrie. Uh, oh, fuck, yeah. Of course he was. Back in the 70s. Back in the day. So, you know, there's... He was the blood. He was the blood, yeah. The blood of my blood. What's that? Game of Thrones. Uh, so yeah, you know, he's there's there's the, obviously the natural link between Carrie being covered in blood in Carrie, and John Travolta being covered in blood as Nicolas Cage in Mandy, doing the the, the wild wild eyed stare at the screen, which is one of the best few seconds in cinema, I think. Ma- Mandy is yeah, Mandy's so fucking weird. It's also so fucking good. Oh, it's a great film. Because what I do like is uh, not every actor gets a film like that. And Nicolas Cage got two in the space of about a calendar year. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing with with Mandy is that it's um, a lot of people, and certainly probably to a degree I did, went into it thinking it was the like final third yeah. for the whole thing. 
And it's not. It's a really like so slow a, burning. The opposite of us. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's yeah. I, I thought it was gonna be um well you kind of had similar with Pig. Where Pig was kind of built yeah. literally as John Wick with a pig. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. And Mandy was billed as like this big revenge story. And it is, but it also it's That's a lot. Not what the film is no, and actually, for a film that is crazy and is, you know, has some of the scenes in it that does, and has like the weird like Satan bikers with whatever on their helmets called like Fuck Pig or whatever they're called. Fuck Pig. That is his name, isn't it? Is it Fuck I, Pig? I, I think it is Fuck Pig. But for a film that contains all sorts of stuff like that, it is actually quite a, like a, at least the beginning is quite a meditative take on like relationships and isolation and like, uh, you know, loss to a point. Um, and then obviously the revenge and, you know, a, a study in smelting as well. But. Um... <laughs> The study in smelting sounds like a steampunk Sherlock Holmes graphic novel. <laughs> that would be great. I would watch the shit out of it, to be fair. Watson, um, Watson would be a robot. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about steampunk Sherlock Holmes now. Oh, yeah. Has that not happened? That must have happened. Yeah, well, there's Sherlock Holmes of the future. Right. I know technically Sherlock is Sherlock Holmes of the future. Isn't Sherlock Sherlock Holmes of the present? Uh, yeah, but given that Sherlock Holmes is a character from Victorian times, you could argue Sherlock is... Here we go. Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Okay. It's an animated TV show in which Sherlock Holmes is brought back to life in, any guesses? The 22nd century. <laughs> oh, I was thinking what vessel he was brought back to life in. The series is a co-production of Scottish television enterprises and Dick Entertainment LP. D-I-C. Ah. I just like the idea that a kid's TV show was made by a company called Dick Entertainment. Well, he was he was there with Dom in that bungalow, wasn't he? Wee! Um, but yeah. Uh... Dom in the bungalow, that's <laughs> Oh, it takes a sinister turn when there's only that, one of them, doesn't that it? It does, yeah. <laughs> Dick in the bungalow, Dom in the bungalow. Yeah. Dom obviously is there with his sub, though. You know what? I've, I've never fully acknowledged how fucked up the phrase Dick and Dom in the bungalow is. Yeah. Do you remember That's... when one of them got into a load of trouble because he wore a t-shirt that said Morning Wood on it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like a cartoon forest and it said Morning Wood. And obviously it was, it's fairly innocuous for a bunch yeah. of kids, but I guess the minute they asked their parents why he's wearing a t-shirt that says Morning Wood on it, they had to come up with an answer. Uh, trees grow more in the mornings. There was like a... Um, let me see. Morning Wood... As, as we've said before, I record this uh, using my work laptop. I am not googling that. Uh, oh, it only got one. Only got one complaint to uh, uh, Ofcom. But obviously, his name was Wood. Like that was his surname, and they were on a morning show, which I think was his defence. Wait, which one's surname's Wood? It's not Dick Wood. <laughs> no, I think it's Dom Wood. Dom Wood. Okay. Yeah, Dominic Wood, Richard McCourt, and Dominic Wood. So they were found guilty of inappropriate behaviour by the BBC's Programmes Complaints Unit. Well, that was um, one of my um, one of my favourite scenes in There's Something About Mary, is um, Dick McCourt. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a reach. But, uh, Very good. Fuck it, we'll go full tangent. Ever, ever caught yourself in a zip, Graham? Uh, no, I haven't, thankfully. Yeah, I've slightly. Ever twisted a bollock, Ian? Yep. 
<laughs> just the one. Um, I'm now reading a, a, a really long article on The Guardian about all of the um, things that Dick and Dom did to piss off the BBC. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, Twisticles. Twisticles was fun because... So we weren't... We weren't as close. But saying that makes it sound like you stopped talking to me because I twisted the testicle. <laughs> we were in the early days of our friendship where, as, an, as now, it mainly revolved around films. Mm. The fact that I twisted a bollock in school yeah. was the first time a lot of people, a lot of my peers, learnt you could twist a testicle. <laughs> Which meant that, like, for a good six months afterwards, whenever anybody had any remote pain i would get a message message of just like can you please explain what to like, how did it feel? like <laughs> if you can message if you if you have to ask if it is yeah it's not it's not <laughs> i just like to think it just it, it has a whole like generation of kids from from our school that just used to just sit down very carefully for, a, for quite oh, a yeah. long time it was uh not not it was not pleasant no um were you listening to a lot of happy mondays at the time because it was twisting my melon, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, John Travolta and Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Wonder do it. John Travolta's ever twisted a testicle. Absolutely. Um, I think John Travolta would be very good in Mandy. Would you go, are we just replacing, like, because the benefit we have this way round yeah. is John Travolta is 10 years older than Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So we can, are we just going age appropriate? So this yeah, came out I would 20, say yeah. so. Yeah. So... 18, so we're going for a 2008 John Travolta, which was when he was in Hairspray. So and taking back, uh, t- uh, so taking a pen one two three. John Travolta as Edna Turnblad in Mandy. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's because uh, I was again to talk about films I was gonna do. I was very close to going for Color Out of Space for exactly the same reasons yeah. you did, but we can't talk about two purple-tinged horror sci-fi movies in the same episode. No. <laughs> Unless the, film, the, type, the subject is, what's your favourite purple-tinged sci-fi movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, purple-tinged. Purple-tinged. I'm more interested to see what he would then do after having done Mandy than necessarily see him in Mandy. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's a fair point, yeah. Good times. But yeah, Mandy. To stay on the subject of genitals, I thought I'd go for a film where... So this isn't just... This isn't like a trying to save John Travolta's career move. Right. This is just a Nicolas Cage film that I legitimately think John Travolta would kind of work in. Yeah. Um, so this is 1999's distinctly underrated 8mm. So 8mm is a massively underrated thriller that's directed by Joel Schumacher. Yeah, Michael's and, brother. And I think Joel Schumacher, like, given... Given a lot of people shit on him, <laughs> including us, yeah, because he has made some shite films. <laughs> Most famously, he is the man who murdered Batman in Batman and Robin. Yeah. Oh, that's when we had the whole he was Mark yeah. Schumacher's brother yeah. conversation before. So he's made some very, very bad films, but yeah. he's also made some very, very good films that I think people forget about. So, or not, they don't forget about the films. They forget that Joel Schumacher did them. Right. So he did Phone Booth. Okay. Flatliners. Yeah. And The Lost Boys. Oh, I didn't realise it was Lost Boys. No, I, I've seen The Lost Boys repeatedly, and I think every single time I watch it, or every single time I, rem- like, I see Joel Schumacher, directed by Joel Schumacher on The Lost Boys, my immediate thought is, oh, fuck, yeah. 
Because the only knowledge I can maintain on Josh Schumacher is that he did Batman and Robin. Yeah. And that, that's all, all I can think of. So 8mm is Nicolas Cage plays a private investigator called Tom Wells, who is basically... Wells, Wells, Wells. He's hired by this lawyer on behalf of the widow. Basically, this widow's husband had just died. Yeah. Thus the widow. And she... <laughs> she, and she It'd been really weird if she was a widow before her. Yeah. Well, or suspicious. My favourite uh, favorite joke to a widow. Let me rephrase. My favourite joke involving a dead husband is, have you watched any of the Police Squad stuff? No. So Police Squad was what came before Naked Gun. Right. Um, and there is a joke. So Leslie Nielsen's character turns up at a murder scene. Uh, he's talking to this distraught woman and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we had to come here at this time. We would have come earlier, but your husband wasn't dead then. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, this guy died and his widow found uh, a load of pornography including uh, an 8mm tape of a snuff movie. And she hires Nicolas Cage's character basically to investigate this to find out if it was real. And I really liked it. Like, it's not, it's not a masterpiece. It's nowhere near, like, you know, it's not in anyone's best thrillers or best crime dramas or anything yeah. like that. It's just like a very good thriller film, and that's it, and I think that's fine. James Gandolfini's in it. Yeah. Peter Stormare's in it because of it's, course uh, he is. He seems to. I don't know what it is. So like, I looked at Peter Stormare's. Let Let me get it. Uh, let, let me Let me get it up as a bad phrase to use <laughs> when I'm talking about hardcore pornography, isn't it? Peter Stormare, as we have talked about before, yeah, seems to be in everything. Yeah. Also, though, I didn't realize he was. I th- I feel like he's been retroactively added to everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but like, it's it, it's weird because he hasn't been in like, in terms of actual films. He, I don't think he's been in as much as you think he has. But he's had over like two hundred credits. <laughs> so he's simultaneously yeah. not in as much as you think he is, and in absolutely everything. But also, he turns up in TV all the all the time and things like that. Yeah, so my prevailing image of him is in. Um... Prison Break, that's where I remember him kind of the most. Yeah. He's just great. So uh, P- Peter Stormare's in it. Wacken Phoenix is in it. Yeah. Basically, he has this guy who works in an adult uh, adult video store called Max California. The um, video store or the character? The character. Excellent. And Max California, arguably, is one of the best character names ever written. So, along the same lines as Paddington. Yeah. If you had to name yourself after somewhere in America, what would it be? <laughs> oh, just Idaho. <laughs> I, I, Idaho, I'm assuming, is who Dick is doming in the Mongolia. He's absolutely, yeah. Dick, Dom, and Idaho. Ida, Idaho is, um, yeah, Dick is, Dick is the Dom, Idaho is the sub. The, on, the only <laughs> problem here is... It sounds like an Aldi adventure archaeologist <laughs> because it would be Idaho Jones. Idaho Jones. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gra- Graham Idaho sounds too formal. Graham Idaho. <laughs> I don't know. That just, it sounds Idaho, like I'm, I barely knew her. I, it sounds like I'm trying. Yeah, you're saying something. Um, yeah, I think. I think um, we're going. Yeah. Or um, just. Uh, it's North America, but yeah. not. America, so we're going. Um, I just like the spelling of Sas. Is it Sasquatchen? Sasquatchen? 
Sasquatchen. Sasquatchen. I can't remember. I know, I know what you mean, but I just yeah. I'm gonna call it now Sasquatchen. Sasquatchen. Yeah, that place in Canada. Yeah, I like it. I yeah. like it. I'll be North Dakota. <laughs> I see you more as just a, a Florida man. Just Florida man. Florida man. Nice. You know how every if you search Florida man on your birthday, you can see like because there's a Florida man story like every year, every, yeah, everything every day, every, yeah. Mine is, um, I think it was a naked Florida man stole an alligator on my birthday. I remember you sending that. So Florida man. Just the, yeah, no, because if you Google it, it just comes up with uh, dates afterwards. <laughs> uh, naked Florida man starts house fire while baking cookies. I wonder if it's the same naked Florida man as that stole the alligator. Naked Florida man starts house fire while baking cookies on George Foreman grill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks, Florida man. Uh, but yeah, so... 8mm is just a very good thriller, and I could see John Travolta playing uh, kind of the private detective. So it's yeah. kind of like, he's done some thrillers before, so especially one called, which doesn't sound sexual until you've had the 10-minute conversation we've just had. John Travolta was in a very, like, masterpiece of thriller cinema called Blowout, <laughs> where he basically plays a guy who I think he's recording in a park, picking up, like, ambient sound. and picks up the assassination of like a politician or something yeah and it's a fucking incredible film so he's he's done that kind of thing before and like i said this is eight millimeter is good but it's still kind of a bit like there's no standout scenes like really cagey scenes right which means nicholas cage doesn't necessarily have to be in it yeah yeah with you it's not a Nicolas Cage film. Nicolas Cage just happens yeah, to be in this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, even though this came out at so late nineties, so he'd just done, you know, the Trinity of yeah. <laughs> Conair, Face Off, The Rock. Um, I think he did Bringing Out the Dead around here, Snake Eyes, like a load of like really cool films. But all of those, arguably, has to be Cage. Yeah. Like I can't, re- apart from Face Off, where the plot is replacing Nicolas Cage, you can't really switch. There's too many like very cagey moments in them. What eight millimeter, though it's very good, doesn't. Yeah, I think. I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. It's a film with Nicolas Cage in. Yeah, yeah. And it is it because it is quite middle of the road. There is a chance that, especially like late nineties, John Travolta, you know, still fresh off of Pulp Fiction and things like that, could possibly elevate it into. Kind of oh, it a could be tier yeah, above it. Yeah, yeah, it could be quite interesting. Um, there's also a scene in it where Nicolas Cage fights a gimp. Excellent. And I feel the like same one. From Pulp Fiction? Uh, not the same one, different one. Played by a guy, I think he's played, weirdly we come to this a lot, uh, you know the main guy, the main port guy in The Wire Season 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Oh, really? Yeah. So he mainly turns up as like angry people in sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. But he plays this gimp. Right. And I think late 90s John Travolta looks a bit more imposing than Nicolas Cage does. So I could see that fight being quite good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically. Gimp fight. John Travolta should investigate pornography. And um, what also helps with just improving the general world is because this came out in 1999, there was a chance that production would have clashed with Battlefield Earth, which means that never would have happened. And that, well, yeah, but also, you know, Scientology, he would make sure it happened at some uh, point. Uh, true. Or, well, I mean, this is the, the alternate world, right? So he wasn't in Battlefield Earth. Nicholas Cage was uh, true. This which is which frees true. up. That's why he couldn't. He dropped out of eight millimeter to do. <laughs> they just, they literally just did a swap. Yeah, swapsies. 
Cool. So I'm going to go for my second choice. I'm going to keep it in the realm of horror movies. I like the idea of, again, yeah, John Travolta just getting to flex his muscles a bit. Also, again, I mean, to be fair with all of my choices, there's the opportunity to go full cage. Um, this is one of the cage, this has one of the cagiest scenes in it, in that it is Nicolas Cage inside a cage that's around his head. And that is, of course, The Wicker Man. Yeah, the 2006 version, which came out starring Nicolas Cage. It was a remake of the really good 1973 Wicker Man, which is... Which we refer to as the good Wicker Man. The good Wicker Man. Which, it's insane watching both films and seeing how wrong the remake got it. Like, I know we've spoken a lot about, like, remakes aren't always bad. Um, This one was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have the good Wicker Man and the weirdly enjoyable Wicker Man. Oh, it's... I, this one is more enjoyable, I think. Oh, that, that's fair. <laughs> but I think it's because like it is quite dated, right? Like the the original one. Yeah, they're both kind of like you. You could watch them in like a lecture or a seminar about how to do slow burning well and how to do slow burning badly. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I still couldn't tell you what I've watched the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man more than I care to admit. Yeah. And I still couldn't actually really tell you what happened for the most part of it. No. Apart it, from the bees. It's Yeah, there's the bees. There's the... Um, the bees. Car crash at the beginning. Yeah. Which was. Which, which wasn't. Was, but wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. That bit was... That was a really confusing part of the There was a girl film. who was. But wasn't. But wasn't. <laughs> but always was. <laughs> and always wasn't. <laughs> who was a bee? Probably. And then Channing Tatum was part dog. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is a wild, wild film, um, especially when you consider the source material. I think, I mean, on its own, it's crazy. But when you, yeah, when if you've seen the original Wicker Man before seeing the 2006 Wicker Man, it is wild to think this is what they came up with as as an alternative. Well, not an alternative, as as a remake. But yeah, I mean, it is notoriously bad. I think it, bombed oh it didn't bomb at the box office but it did make a loss and yeah i do just like the idea again of i also think given that like uh, maybe this is a, a bit of a slight on john travolta because i'm getting my face off characters mixed up it isn't him that does the adopting is it it's it so it is john john travolta it travolta. is john travolta yeah rather yeah. than nicholas travolta nicholas travolta yeah, okay, so given that, and as I say, this is maybe a slight on John Travolta based on his characters rather than his actual nature, but given that he's, you know, quite willing to do things like, you know, adopt children on the spot, I feel like he would kind of be up for, like, you, you know, trying to integrate into this weird culture and punch some people in the face. I, <laughs> I also think that given that John Travolta, and I'm going to come back to this point, on my next choice as well given that john travolta oh shit how how i i'm just wondering whether or not the the scientologists are going to get to us if we like really go in quite hard on oh on uh, their, their fair game policy or something yeah okay <laughs> i don't think we don't we haven't had listeners in california no we haven't okay so, we so should we've be okay. had we've had it in a fair few states yeah but i don't think we've had any in okay. california so, given... Also, side note, you cut out my bit about all religions being bullshit in the last episode. I was really annoyed about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> given 
John Travolta's um, alternative beliefs that he ha- holds, okay. he could be in a position to really quite understand and sort of method act in a film about a culture that has strange beliefs that maybe aren't, you know, quite as vanilla as the rest of the world in their I mean, um, culture. View. Culture is half right. When you're, uh, <laughs> to that. So basically what you're saying is John Travolta has insights into being in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> that was said by Ian, not me, Scientologist people. John Travolta allegedly has alleged insights into being in an alleged cult. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that working. So I think that's yeah, that that just, you know, he's he's kind of going to be able to get into the character, get into the into the mindset of of everyone on the little island that they're on. I can't remember what it's called actually. What do they call it in that one? It's the Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Uh it's just it's just an island off the coast of Washington state. Uh where a group of neo-pagans live. Was it Wales in the first one? An uh, island off the coast of Wales. I'm not saying he went to just the wicked just, went to just Wales. set in Wales. I mean, to be fair, last time when I've been to Wales, that's kind of what it was like. Well, actually, no, to be fair, when we went to Snowdon, it was not oh, far yes. off the Wicker no, no, Man. To be fair. <laughs> going, going to, us going to Snowdon inspired yeah. my idea for a movie which is 100% about a Welsh cult. Okay. Nice. I, I have written the bare bones <laughs> of what could only be, or one, what one day I hope critics refer to as the Welsh Midsummer. <laughs> There's no summer in Wales. No, Midsummer in Wales is on the day of summer between two and four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting, again, just to go, just to see Travolta go full cage, really. Yeah, yeah, it would be... So this is, this is a fun, this is actually quite a fun, a fun thought exercise. And also an observation, we're yet to have the Wicker Man on our League of Good Bad Movies vote. No, we're not, actually. Would this film be improved? Hmm. And we kind of touched on this last episode, I think, by one, being better, yeah, or two, being worse. Uh, I think worse, purely because there is already a better Wicker Man. If the original ah, didn't very, exist, very, okay. So you you want John? You think John Travolta could make this worse, which would make it better? Yeah. Okay. Perhaps. I don't know. But like in the grand scheme of things, if you were to make the Wicker Man better, you'd have to make it worse because there's already a good Wicker Man. <coughs> yeah, it becomes it's either worse or redundant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the only issue with this choice is in this alternate world we don't have. Would Travolta doing the bees work as well? I I think I mean well, you'd give it a fair good. He'd give a shot. good crack of the whip. But uh, I mean, yeah, it probably wouldn't necessarily live up to to Cage down. But you know. Until we see it, we'll never know. Never know. No. But you know what I know for sure? What's that? It's not going to bring back your damn honey. <laughs> 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 Fuck me, I love that film. Oh, no, that's, great. that's a lie. I love the, the last 25 minutes of The Wicker Man. Oh, it's far is, too long. Is one of my favourite movie experiences ever. Because in that 25 minutes, you have him <laughs> dressing as a bear and punching someone. Yeah. I think you have the How'd It Get Burnt is the last third of the movie. Mm. The bees. Yeah. And him randomly like karate side kicking someone through a wall. Yes. Because the Wicker Man. Because the Wicker Man. To continue our theme of alternate universes. Mm. Director John Woo. 
after working on Face Off, mm. uh, calls John Travolta instead of Nicolas Cage to star in his 2002 movie, Wind Talkers. <laughs> so, Wind Talkers is uh, about the Navajo code talkers in World War II. Please welcome back to the Ian Harry's History Section. The Ian Harry's History Section. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. So to put to put a long complex story simply, yeah, fewer than thirty, or at the time in the forties, fewer than thirty non-Navajo people spoke Navajo. Right. So it was an extremely complicated language, and at the time was still unwritten, which meant it was basically impossible for anyone to learn who wasn't Navajo. Which meant that it was really easy to pick a like base a code on it. So you would have Navajo words that related to letters or strategies or weapons or things like that and they would use that as the basis of the code to kind of call things in yeah so at the battle of Iwo Jima, there were i think six of them who sent over 600 perfect messages and some kind of senior people in the military basically say the only reason or a big part of the the win in the pacific was down to these code or code talkers yeah and um, because it meant that you didn't have to one guy could encrypt it without putting it through like a machine or something like that. So okay. it just kind of sped everything up. The film follows Nicolas Cage's character, who is basically alongside this Navajo codebreaker, and it's all about Nicolas Cage getting over his bigotry to the guy, and you know, then also war action film stuff. Nicolas Cage, in arguably my favorite piece, one of my favorite pieces of Nicolas Cage trivia, mm. learnt to speak Navajo for the part fluently that's impressive despite the fact that his character in the film doesn't doesn't (laughs) cage said it was to better understand the script john woo maintains it was because nicholas cage misunderstood the character he'd been cast as the general held belief is there was a film about a navajo codebreaker and nicholas cage thought he had been cast as the navajo codebreaker I'm um, not surprised. I'm just <laughs> genuinely not surprised. Like, it's... It's insane. And again, I won't quite... Like, any other actor, you would assume it's like, oh, that's bullshit, though, isn't it? Like, that's just a funny story you tell people. But with Nicolas Cage, I can fully believe he thought that's what happened. Yeah. So the entire... I mean, not gonna lie, the entire... <laughs> this entire section is based on the belief that John Travolta wouldn't have assumed he would have played the Navajo, which probably means his performance would have been better because he would have been fully prepared to play the right character. I think, yeah, I think we can we can safely assume that John Travolta would, you know, get the assignment right at least. Yeah, I mean, similar to... Well, no, not similar to Wait Millie. Wind Talkers wasn't a, it wasn't a memorable film, kind of lost out at the box office. And again, similar to kind of the 8mm thing, it's not an overly cagey film. Like, we aren't losing one of the greats from the list by having yeah. John Travolta in this. And I do think he would... I could buy John Travolta, especially at this. So this is, to put it into context, John Woo made Face Off. Yeah. He then made Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. And then he made Wind Talkers. Yeah, so that's it would... a, it's a strange trajectory, isn't it? Yeah, so it would have been a similar era. It, it would basically just be Face Off John Travolta. Yeah. And I could buy him more as like a grizzled and bitter military veteran than arguably Nicolas Cage. 
Well, because he's 10 years older. Yeah, very true. <laughs> very, very true. Close enough in age, though, to uh, swap faces and no one notice. Yeah, yeah, and obviously look exactly the, and have the same body type and, and all of the, you know, all of the stuff. We, we've discussed it at length. We've discussed I was, it at length. I, I was thinking the other day, uh, it's like, you know what, I, I think I'm due for a rewatch of Face Off. Then I realised I watched it less than three months ago. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, I had a look through the serious films yeah. Nicolas Cage has done, shall we say. Because again, kind of my arguments, uh, my arguments for this kind of fell into like two categories, which is well similar to kind of your first two choices of overly cage films that i think john travolta would be good in yeah and then would be interesting to see what he does afterwards mm. and then like not to say the you then had to cut out just the again the, the tax era cage yeah um so your trespasses your justices your rages all the ones that were just one word that generally described a feeling. Oh no! To be fair, rage was also another word. <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> true. Your stolen's, <laughs> your knowings. So I tried to look at kind of the slightly more, yeah, the more serious ones because John Travolta is traditionally a more serious actor. Yeah, a thespian, you might a thespian, say, if you will. And yeah, Wind Talkers was kind of one of the few on the list that kind of hit that sweet spot of I don't want to take Nicolas Cage away from it. Yeah. And it's not just dirt. Because he hasn't done that many in, in, in terms of yeah, it's a very relatively small Venn diagram. Really. Because also you then have some films in that area which are just legitimately quite good. Yeah. Like Lord of War. It is quite a serious film. But I really like Nicolas Cage in it. So, and same with Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you can't take Nicolas Cage out of Leaving Las Vegas. Well, it's an adaptation, I'd argue. Yeah, yeah. So, a- a- adaptation was kind of on the, the list I tried to whittle down. Because you also get two John Travolta's then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Wind Talk is, is kind of in the sweet spot where there's definitely an interesting film to be made there. And I don't necessarily think Nicolas Cage was the right choice for it. Because again... He thought he was playing a Native American. And of course he did. The money I would pay to have been there when they told him just to watch him. Because the excuse of it was to understand the script better. Yeah. Is clearly something he made up on the spot so he didn't feel silly. Yeah, but then. It always. This, this story always reminds me of the Seth Rogen story. And I know I've mentioned it probably every time we've ever yeah. spoken about Nicolas Cage. But just the whole. Nicholas Cage turned up to I think it was a dinner talking about an upcoming film and was it the Green was it the Green Hornet? It was for the Green Hornet, yeah. Yeah. And he was at the dinner table at Seth Rogan's house and basically just pitched a brand new character where he was had tattooed hair and was Rastafarian. And apparently did this whole thing without a sense of irony and like left before he even ate dinner with them. I think so, yeah. <laughs> and is it is still probably one of my favourite Nicholas Cage stories. Even though it's not the most insane. I can just imagine, just being imagine being sat around that dinner table, hearing that like him pontificate about this, and then just leaving. And you're like, "Shall we have the soup then?" It's not the most <laughs> insane, but it is the most cage. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I think maybe you're onto something there. I think maybe what has saved Nicolas Cage's career is realizing the sense of irony. Yeah, because. Yeah, like if you compare the films he's made in the last two years to 
what he's done before. And then also, I think because he's embraced the cage, yeah, means people are more willing to give him a chance with things like Pig. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because Pig's not a film he would have been offered again in the tax era. No, no, no. I think it took him rebuilding himself as a name by acknowledging the name. Mm. And a lot of time for that. But yeah, Wind Talkers don't have a lot of time for that. Yeah, it's just an... It's one of those films where, like, I know I've watched it, yeah. but now I'm wondering if I have. Like, you get what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Like, the kind of film where I could get halfway through it and realise I've watched it before. Yeah, okay, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. The films where I couldn't necessarily tell you the plot, I could tell you he's in it, and I could tell you that bit of trivia. Like, it's just, a, it's just there. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's kind of in the... It's in... I think it's in the sweet spot for John Travolta as well. So this was still kind of like heyday, well, not necessarily heyday, but like he was still closer to the peak of his resurgence than he was the Bruce Willis plateau, as we shall call the it. The Bruce Willis plateau. It's uh, outside the Dick and Dom bungalow. Outside the Dick and Dom yeah. bungalow, along the Shia LaBeouf Peninsula. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf Peninsula. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think it is kind of the sweet spot for everything. Like it's not, it's not overly cagey. John Travolta would still kind of have his Travolteriness around yep. about him then. John Travolta importantly would understand the script and who he's playing. And I think it's the best of everything. Um, yep. And it also, like, annoyingly, not a lot has really been made about the whole Navajo Marines and things like that. And I think it's it, definitely an interesting story. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you, so, you are quite good at making it sound boring. Yeah, but it exactly. is an interesting story. I think John Travolta <laughs> can make it sound interesting. <laughs> He'd just bring aliens into it. Yeah. <laughs> so whose face is getting cut? <laughs> My final choice is um, the greatest movie ever to be made. And I'm going to preface this with actually, I don't think it would be improved by putting John Travolta in it. Just wanted an excuse to talk about Vampire's Kiss for about 10 minutes. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, it wouldn't be improved with John Travolta because Nicolas Cage is. This is the best thing he's done and anyone's ever done ever. I would like to see. Oh, I'd like to see it. So, like in in an alternate alternate universe mm. where it's not being replaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, we couldn't. We, you can't lose the alphabet no, scene. You no, can't no. lose the pointing. You can't lose the fact. Because also the whole like. The whole fact that like someone's job is to just look through files all day, every day, like that's oh. that's more believable in a in a firm that Nicolas Cage has some kind of authority in. Just him um, jumping on the table. Yeah, it's just God, I love this film so much. I need to watch it again. I still have only watched it the one time when we watched it for the Good Bad Movie episode. But it is, um, yeah. I mean, Vampire's Kiss. I we did a whole episode on it, right? We did the Good Bad Movie episode, so. I implore you now to pause to actually finish this because there's only about 10 minutes left and we need the numbers. Um, we're, we're setting a lot of homework. Yeah, there is a lot of homework. We've set two of our episodes yeah. and mentioned a number of other podcasts. Yeah, some Nicolas Cage podcasts. Insert jingle. Cage podcast. Whoa, what is that? What is that? What is that? podcast. Oh, no, not the beat! Not the beat! Ah! I love my eyes! Podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just it's... the insert jingle is actually a thing from Dick and Dom in the bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> and now you need to make an insert jingle, insert jingle jingle. <laughs>
insert insert jingle jingle <laughs> interesting <laughs> but then there would be an insert 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 jingle 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 yeah then we'll this is just the podcast now insert 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 jingle 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 and infinitum insert jingle squared <laughs> it's yeah it, it is the definitive good bad movie it has so many like i think we said when we watched the film itself like you do the you do the Nicolas Cage freak out YouTube compilation. Most of it is from Vampire's Kiss. It is absolutely some of the most fun I've ever had watching a film. Yeah. Um, you need to watch it with people, I think, because you need to be like, <laughs> what? And oh god, I don't. I I find it difficult to articulate how much I love this film, which is ridiculous because it is trash. Because I think the problem we're talking about. Vampire's Kiss and how much you love it mm. is you end up overusing the word unironically. Yeah. It's like, oh no, it's not like a... I love, I love the experience of watching the film. Oh, we really do. But it is trash. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is a terrible, terrible movie. But I love it. I, I don't know... I mean, how do you think... How do you think Travolta would play Vampire's Kiss? Do you think he would, like, keep it cagey or do you think he would go into like a much more sort of like meditative look at the mental health decline of a literary agent okay so i have an idea i want to 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 bring to this afterwards okay i i i do think john travolta would try and play it completely like it would be more it would be closer to the american psycho comparisons people seem to really want to make for yeah, even though it came out before America's Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, th- I, I think that's kind of where he would. I think he would double down on the seriousness. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. But then that does probably because then that just makes Vampire's Kiss a probably a bang average movie that no one's ever going to watch. True. So, right. What I'm going to put to you, okay. Given we want to maintain the sanctity. Of Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. I'm saying we don't replace Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss with John Travolta. Okay. I'm sorry. Do you know who Kevin Frolix is? No. Kevin Frolix is the man who wrote Vampire's Kiss the musical. Excellent. So, instead of replacing Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss... I see where you're going with this. I'm saying John Travolta stars in the movie adaptation... Of Vampire's Kiss the Musical. I'm I'm there for that. We'll get a cameo of Nicolas Cage in it. Yep. And uh, so I wasn't going to do the jingle joke for two episodes running, but we are now. Cage Rage. Cage Podcast. Oh, what is that? What is that? What is it? Cage Podcast. Oh, no, not the beast. Not the beast. Ah! Oh, no, my Cage Podcast has uh, an episode on the Vampire's Kiss musical yeah. with the guy who wrote it. Nice. And it's uh, well worth a listen. But I, I, I think that would be best of both worlds then. I think it would Nicholas be, Cage, yeah. And then we would get John Travolta giving his interpretation of... Because then it would be... Because what we know of John Travolta mm. is he can do a hell of a Nicolas Cage impression. This is very true. And also, he he would probably buy into believing he's a vampire because he believes in aliens it's less weird it's probably less weird but like so if 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 he was if this was the 80s yeah which is when i think the film came out 
I think it was like late eighties. I think so. I think if if John 89, Travolta, yeah. 89, if John Travolta was cast in it instead of Nicolas Cage, I think it would be a deadly serious shite film. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you wouldn't have any of the memeable stuff in it. No, probably would have gone none of the funny stories about mimes. It would have just been a bit weird. Mm-hmm. If John Travolta is basing his performance off of Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage and Vampire's yeah. Kiss, I think it could be the best musical ever committed to film. I well, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. No. So yeah, okay, cool. That's that's the that's the little caveat we'll have with this one. Quick question before we round off the choices. Who wins in a fight, Xenu or Dracula? That's a fun question because I'm I'm not sure what the like less offensive answer would be. Because <laughs> Xenu's the bad. He's Scientology Satan. Is he? I thought he was the one that they based it. All I on. thought Le- Lord Xenu was the one who like flew those spaceships that looked like planes and bombed the volcano that the souls were in. He bought every he bought everyone to Earth apparently. Yeah, but then he bombed them, um, didn't he? This is oh, you're basing this on the the South Park episode, uh, which is based on an actual Scientology video. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. We're gonna have to cut this out. I'm not getting. I'm not. I'm not being <laughs> fucked by Scientology. We'll cut all that bit out. We're fine. Yeah. Uh, so before we can we just do up. like a, a really long bleep? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like um, in the South Park censorship episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have that as a fun Easter egg of because uh, what we'll do we'll get up to you saying before we round off yeah and then just cut straight to you saying how about we just have one long beep actually no we're not putting that in yeah yeah okay we'll see so time for the point of the podcast mm. so out of your top yes. three what is your final top three my final top three in third place is the Wicker Man. Because whilst I want to see Travolta go cagey, I think he's going to go more cagey than Mandy. Mandy is number two. What I thought was not going to be in this at all is actually now number one because it is the musical of Vampire's Kiss yeah. with John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage. And I've never wanted to see anything more in my life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, How about you? For me, uh, number three, I am going for 8mm. Yep. Uh, I think Travolta would give a good performance in it. I don't know. It would just be a decent film. Yep. Really? It would also be interesting if it would have been taken more seriously with a John Travolta of that era in it than it was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, Number two, hopefully to set his career back on track, we are going mom and dad. I want to see him going, going cagey and setting himself on the Nicolas Cage late era film path rather than the Bruce Willis era late era film yeah. path which means number one Wind Talkers because yeah. I strongly believe it would have been a better film with John Travolta in because he is an actor who would have understood he's not going to be cast as a Native American <laughs> so for the podcast nobody asked for's top three yeah. which of our choices is going to make it uh, Vampire's Kiss the musical obviously yeah so I I propose there's two things we could do here Okay. So we could go for a podcast nobody asked for first and say, actually... Put ourselves first. We have no top three this week because if you really boil it down, could any film ever be replaced by taking... Improved by taking Nicolas Cage out of it? Or we pick three. 
I okay. So our choices are either stick to the format of the podcast, yeah, or do a proper F one move and change the rules right, right at the second. end. I'm Michael Matsying. The safety, it, bitch. the safety car is out. <laughs> um, I say we do pick a top three because for me, I think there are actual choices that work. Okay, so you boring bastards. Yeah. Wind Talkers is not a very good film. No, I, I, so the only, annoyingly, when you spoke about Wind Talkers, it kind of ruined my point. Yeah, it's not, it's not cagey enough to have cage in it yeah. necessarily matter. Yeah. The most cagey thing about it is the Navajo thing. Yeah. And if anything, that is the reason why Johnson Roger should probably have stepped in and gone, right, let's go for this. Yeah. So I would go Wind Talkers in there. Yeah. I would go Vampires Kiss the Musical. Yeah. Spiritually, I would want it number one. Yeah. But also, I feel like it should really go. I think Wind Talker should go one. Yeah. Because if we're going by the actual title of the episode. Again, you <laughs> boring bastards. The episode. I would go Vampires Kiss the Musical number two. The only reason it's not number one is because it's not necessary. It, it, it's a bit more of a aha. Yeah. Rather than actually okay. sticking to it. Yeah. And then I'd probably go Mom and Dad. I would go Mom and Dad mainly because I think John Travolta would be good in it. Yeah. And I'm okay losing it with the, like... What was... What, sorry, your other choice was... 8mm. Uh, 8mm. See, I think maybe 8mm over Mom and Dad. Just because, as we said, 8mm was a film with Nicolas Cage in it rather than a Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, that, 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 that's true. But I, I, I think I was favouring Mom and Dad more because... I feel like it would set John Travolta's career right. Maybe. Because 8mm eight, eight and Wind Talkers were still in the era, uh, era where he probably would have made those films. Yeah, okay. So it was pre the taking Pelham 123 cut-off point. So are we getting... Um, with the caveat, okay, so it's it, we go with, with Mum and Dad, but with the caveat that we advise John Travolta <laughs> to take the role and therefore get a cut of the royalties. From his new career direction. I mean, I think it's only fair. I would say it's only fair. If, if we've guided him to do this film and it has kick-started his new rejoinances, yeah, I'm assuming he would take us on as his agents. I would say so. So, you know, it's only fair. He would fly us around places, see if we get let into Australia. Sounds good to me. And we would, because you know what? We would abide by the guidelines. <laughs> we are vaccinated. Cool. Top three. Okay. Lock so, it in. Locked in so the podcast nobody asked for's top three nicholas cage films that would be better with john travolta number three mom and dad brackets we expect a cut of the royalties when his career improves close brackets yeah number two vampires kiss the musical yep and number one is wind talkers if you agreed with our choices if you agreed with graham in saying that this should have been the first regular episode where we don't have a top three. You can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for, and you can also join us on Patreon and become a friend of the podcast. And all of that money goes towards buying copies of Vampire's Kiss for Graham to watch. <laughs> oh, what a film. Um, if you would like to... Um... There was a bit that I thought about earlier. I was going to reference. I've forgotten <laughs> it now. Um, if you would like to uh, writer's block, but for speaking, speaker's block, speaker's block, 
Isn't that what you have in Hyde Park? Um, actually, yeah, fuck it. It's like no, some kind of ball game. If, if you do agree with me, <laughs> if you do agree with me and you think we should have had no top three this week and you think Ian is a boring, boring bastard, then tell me that you're in agreement on Twitter at Nobody Asked For Pod with the number four. You can also find us there on Facebook and we have a website, podcastnobodyasked4.co.uk, where you can find all the wonderful things that you need to know about us. And uh, remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcast, Podchaser, and Spotify. Arguably, that is the the most helpful thing you could do because it helps drive people to us. Yes, algorithm really, juice, and that's what we need. Mm. So uh, that was the that was the end of our two part Nicholas Cage birthday extravaganza. Yep. Next year, already thinking of a Conair themed one for us to do. You know, movie criminals. We would share plane. Best things in boxes. Best things in boxes. Obviously, the bunny and um, movie prisons. We would what's hold people head? hostage. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Paltrow's head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what else is bigger than the box? Uh, Justin Timberlake's penis. Ugh, no one asked for this. It's a big episode for cutting things out. It is. You're going to be busy. Um. <laughs>